Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, well, good evening and welcome to our very special uh, baptism service here at Oak Hall. If this is your first time you're here visiting uh, with Sam or, or Josh, family or friends of them, then can we say a very warm welcome to you this evening. We're so glad that you could uh, be here this evening. If you need a toilet at any time, they're just down the corridor behind me. Or if you need an accessible one, they're just round the right-hand side of the foyer. And please do help yourself to more tea and coffee served after the service. But you know, we're going to begin our time together praising God. And the first song is a song that, that Josh has chosen for his baptism. And it's a wonderful song that speaks of what Jesus has done. Taking our sin, our wrong the way that we've treated God, and the way that he has dealt with that forever uh, through the work on the cross, removing it from us forever. And the chorus, it says this. It says, boldly I approach your throne, blameless, now I'm running home. By your blood I come, welcomed as your own, into the arms of majesty. They're wonderful words we get to celebrate this evening. So let's stand and sing together. Boldly I approach. By grace alone somehow I stand Where even angels need to tread Thy redeeming love Before the throne of God above Behold who comes with nail scarred hands Into the everlasting arms When condemnation grips my heart Satan tempts me to despair. The voice that scatters fear. The great I am, the Lord is near. Oh, praise the one who fights for me and shields my soul eternally. I approach your throne Blameless now I'm running home By your blood I come Welcomed as your own Into the arms of majesty Behold the bright and risen star than this world has known. Face to face, love himself. His perfect, spotless righteousness. A thousand years, a thousand times, I'm not enough to sing his praise. Boldly I approach your throne Blameless now I'm running home By your 
take a seat. As we begin our time, let's pray. Let's speak to our amazing God. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we worship you. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you that through your Son, the Lord Jesus, there is forgiveness, that you have made an end to all of our sin. There is a way to be right with you. And we praise you as we look forward to that day when we will be home in your presence forever. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I know that we are all here to celebrate uh, with Josh and Sam as they get baptized tonight. Uh, But if we're here and we're not too sure why uh, they are getting baptized, it seems a bit mad. Well, Know that there's nothing special in the water, in the pool. Sam and Josh will still be the same Sam and Josh when they come back from being baptised. But this is simply a sign. A sign of Sam and Josh's faith, their trust in the Lord Jesus. You could say it's an outward sign of inward faith. But also baptism is a picture to us of what Jesus has done. It's a picture of washing, that Jesus has washed away forever all of our wrong, all of our sin, which is our rebellion against God, the way that we have fallen short of his standard. And Jesus, through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, he has made a way for us to be spotless, blameless before him as we were just singing. But it's also a picture of new life, And as Jesus died, he was also raised again. And you know, Jesus, the wonderful thing is that he offers everyone the same glorious hope of eternal life with him one day 
when they put their trust in him. And baptism is a picture of that new life that Jesus offers for those who come to him. It's a wonderful picture. It's an amazing picture. And before they they do that, before they get baptized, uh, we're going to hear from Josh and Sam. We're going to hear of what Jesus has done in their lives. And I'm going to invite Josh and Sam to share their story. I'm going to invite Josh uh, now, um, who's going to come and share how he's come to know and trust and follow this Jesus. Thanks, Josh. Oh, there's a lot of you here, aren't there? Um, I just want to say, first of all, thanks to everyone for coming today to support me in this big step in my life, uh, especially for those who've never been to a baptism before who probably think this is mental. Um, but I am, I'm going to use this time now to try and explain why this is important to me um, and why it's a uh, happy day. So uh, many of you here tonight already know me and my family, and that's because for 16 years I, I've been coming, I was coming to Oakwood Church twice a week, uh, and through, I've got a lot of memories growing up through the Sunday school and Crusaders and youth group, um, and I do just want to, you know, say thank you to all the people that were part of that, um, the leaders for all those different groups, um, for, you know, being a, a big part of why I'm here today, I guess. Um, it took some time, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but uh, many of you will have had a similar experience to me, and it's only recently that I've realised how much of a blessing it was to be surrounded by Christian role models, um, you know, from a kid, really. So my entire family on both mum and dad's side are Christian, and, you know, I, was, I knew every Bible story and all the, all the right Sunday school answers, um, you know, as a kid. Uh, but I never knew the significance of what I was being taught and I never made a Christian commitment. So um, by this I mean that I never honestly prayed and asked for forgiveness or confessed um, that I believed Jesus was my saviour or, or real in any way really. Uh, but as a kid, you know, I think I did want that. It was there, but I, what I really wanted was like a road to Damascus moment where, you know, you see the light and that would have been really easy. Um, but that never happened. And, you know, I kind of lost interest. So I was, when I reached the age of 15, 16, sort of turned my back and everything. Um, and, you know, truth is, I could, you know, I couldn't really be, be bothered to try and make an effort either. It was just real disinterest. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't want to be a Christian. But the seed was planted. So I'm 16 now. I'm on my way to college. You know, I'm not interested in church. Uh, having lots of distractions, uh, house parties and that sort of thing, you know, thinking mum and dad had no idea what you're doing. Um, and I think it was at college where I, I started to feel like something wasn't, you know, entirely right. Uh, it's hard to explain. Uh, at the time, I thought it was just because I wasn't, you know, I knew I was doing stuff that I probably shouldn't have been. Um, but it was actually, it was actually deeper than that. Uh, and then this continued through college, and then as soon as I turned 18, uh, graduated to the pub and was, you know, surrounded by the you know, culture of drink and drugs and everything else that comes with it. And, you know, at this point in my life, I've already started working. And I was doing well at work and I had a lot, you know, I had some money in my pocket to support my lifestyle and all that. Um, and uh, I had a bit left over, actually, that I was using to woo one of the barmaids who's sitting down at the front. Um, and... Uh, 
yeah, that, that was what my life was about. It was just having a good time and God wasn't on my mind at all. Um, but you know, like even if you really think hard about it, even with all the fun that you think you're having, I don't think I ever really felt, you know, amazingly happy or, you know, content. Um, but that's just what I thought was, you know, normal, normal life. Um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't think what I was doing was wrong, but I wasn't, you know, exceptionally happy and, you know, I lived like this for a long time. And one of the things that really blows my mind today is how clearly present God was through all of, all of these different parts of my life. Um, even at a time where I thought I was as far away from God as, you know, possible to be or wanted to be. Um, and that's because, you know, I look through my life and I see so many blessings, being blessed at work, being blessed with a group of really good mates, with some of them are here today, um, and being blessed with a beautiful wife and a really close family as well. And, you know, I didn't deserve any of that because I wasn't a very nice person. And in my heart, I was selfish and greedy and, you know, lustful and full of pride and anger. I'm sorry, it's emotional because, you know, it's shameful, really. And that's the person that I've been for the last sort of 10 years or so. So things started to change for me when I started getting back into church in the build-up to our wedding in 2018. And me and Nat really enjoyed coming to church and being at church. And, you know, I didn't realise, um, and it wasn't, you know, something I tried to do, but God was starting to soften my heart. And over the course of the previous year, I'd done a number of Christianity Explored courses. Three. Um, <laughs> free meal in the evening. Um, <laughs> But on the third time of doing the course, you know, I, something sort of started to change in my mindset. And it was funny because it was almost like an overnight change in mindset. Um, and I just, you know, all of a sudden started understanding different things, which I always tried to understand but never really meant anything to me. So, you know, I started to understand what Jesus was about. I stripped everything back. I forgot about, you know, religion and rules and stereotypes and all of the other rubbish, really, which stops people from seeing the truth about being a Christian. Um, and the breakthrough was that I realised that I was a sinner um, and that God was holy. And I believed that I, you know, deserved a punishment for that. But most importantly, I believed that Jesus died on the cross to take that punishment for me. So I believed that and I prayed it. And I prayed the prayer in the in the front, I think it is, of this book, Psalms and New Testament. Um, and it says, uh, Dear God, I confess that I've done wrong, that your son took my punishment and that I deserved by dying on the cross. I believe you raised him from the dead and I now receive Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. And that's what's called a Christian commitment. And it says it clearly in there. It's bold heading. If you say those words, that is a Christian commitment. Um, but that was 18 months ago, roughly. Um, and I continue to pray that just to make sure. Um, but I was from then on what you would call a Christian, a believer. You know, I, I definitely had that faith. But you know, one thing I didn't do, um, I, you know, I didn't change my life. And I was still living for me. And you know, like I said, I've done a lot of things that I'm really ashamed of. And some of you might be able to relate. Um, I don't know, but guilt and shame are two of the most crippling things you can feel. And I really struggled with it because of how I was living, especially after I made that commitment. Um, and it was one morning in January last year. I'm not sure why this one sticks out out of so many, but after every night. And I just felt so ashamed and down and empty. Um, and I prayed. And, you know, it wasn't 
a planned thing, anything like that. You know, I just prayed and I ended up laying everything out for God and exactly what was in my heart, all my feelings, everything. Um, and I said, you know, I don't want to be like this. And that's when I think I really became a Christian because I was really sincere when I prayed that. And again, prayed the prayer from the book. Um, and I knew that I was forgiven. I knew that I was forgiven for all those things. Um, and all the times I've disappointed God. And my shame was gone. And so it's the guilt and condemnation. And I knew it was dealt with. And I felt at peace, despite all those things. Um, and I was, but I, you know, I was still the same person, but just forgiven. And uh, since that day in January last year, I've made a lot of mistakes. And I've gone back to my old ways and given in to a lot of temptations. And I've let God down, and I'm sure I probably will again. Because I'll always be a sinner, but... I know that I'm forgiven for those sins. And that's because I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And nothing or no one can change that. Um, so, more than anything, I want to I wanna please him now and serve him through my actions. And that's one of the things I'm doing today. Um, and I hope people understand what I understand, which is that you never have to feel shame or guilt or worry or fear or loneliness when you have that relationship. Now, some of you will know uh, Roberto Firmino, Liverpool's Brazilian striker, and you might be surprised to know I've got something in common with him. Um, it's not footballing ability. Um, he has recently been baptised, and I saw some of the comments he made on uh, Sky Sports or something, and he said, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation, the old has gone and the new has come. And that's what I'm doing when I go in the water today, um, saying that the old heart is dead, my sin is dead and buried and dealt with forever and this is the new me raised in new life and forgiven so that's a bit about what my faith is built on uh, if you want to know more I'll happily explain that um, but if God can work in me then he can certainly work in you Josh Well, Josh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And uh, just uh, we've got a book and a card for you. Uh, the book is the Lion Handbook uh, to the Bible. We've also chosen a, a verse that's written in the book. It's from Psalm 119, verse 9. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? Uh, by living according uh, to your words. I've been told it's a great book to dip in and out of. Um, so it's, uh, hopefully that's uh, a benefit to you. And let me pray for you. Uh, before you do that, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we give you thanks for Josh and for what we've just heard, uh, for the way that you have worked in his life. And we pray now as Josh takes the step of baptism that you would bless him, uh, that you would keep him as he continues to follow you. And we pray that you would strengthen Josh to live with, for you in whatever he does, uh, that you might be glorified in him and through him. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to invite Sam. He's going to come and share his story. Thank you, Sam.
So, as most of you guys know, I was born into a Christian family where my parents both loved Jesus. But for most of my life, I haven't been a Christian. I've known Jesus died for me. I knew all the answers to the Bible stories. I knew almost every answer in Sunday school was Jesus. But I didn't believe it. I acted like a Christian at home and at church and at school. But I wasn't really a Christian. It was, it was, it's actually quite funny talking to people at school because they always, they've always thought that I've been a Christian, but, and that like I didn't really have a choice, but actually my, my dad's made it so clear that I have a choice. And he, he, he was basically just explaining that I need to make it for myself. And that's why I'm standing here today because I've made that choice to call Jesus my Lord and King. So around three years ago, I went on a Christian camp, CCRW in Wales, and I vividly remember the night before going there, praying to God, asking him to come into my life. But looking back, I knew it wasn't wholehearted. I wasn't wanting him in my life. So we went on camp, and on the Sunday evening, one of the leaders was giving his testimony. And I remember him talking about how he had shaken his fists at the sky and said, I hate you, God. But a few days later, he had gone to every possible Christian talk at a Christian conference, wanting to learn about God and how to love him for himself. It's hit me like a brick wall. I can, how could it be that someone's life could be transformed in a few days? I, I, I remember needing to know more. So I listened that day intently to the Bible study the next morning and the service in the evening, trying to make sense of every word to understand what we were going through. And we're going through the first half of the book of Mark. And I couldn't remember what we were reading, but I remember our chaplain, Ed, explaining how Jesus was going to die on a cross for selfish people like me. He made it really clear that every single person on this planet wasn't good enough to get to God. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This proves my point. None of us are good enough to reach heaven by our own good or trying to be perfect. No matter how perfect you think you are, you're not good in God's eyes. But Ed explained on that cross a swap happened. My selfishness, my wrongness, my rebellion against God, what the Bible calls sin, was swapped with Jesus' perfectness. So when God looks at me, he sees a perfect and pure person. And he sees Jesus as one with our sinfulness and on himself. But that wasn't even the end because Jesus rose again, beating death, beating sin, eradicating the wrongness that was mine, which separates me from God. I remember being in pieces after the talk. I remember not even being able to play volleyball because I was a broken mess. <laughs> when we were called back for the evening meetings, for laughs and for hot chocolate, I had to suck it up and go back into the marquee. And I couldn't really remember what happened until one of the leaders got up and gave his test to me. Uh, sorry, she. Um, <laughs> I remember her saying that she read a verse, Hebrews 13, 5, which says, Be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I felt, I felt the weight and reality of God's love for me. It was overwhelming. I was shocked. I couldn't move. I was crying. It was just too much. As soon as the meeting is finished, I just went to my tent, lay down on a bed and prayed. I asked God that he would be king of my life, that his spirit would fill me, 
and that he would live in me for the rest of my life and that he would adopt me into his family as a child of his. (laughs) Instantly I was filled with joy, joy and peace, a sense of undying love that filled me. I knew I had become a follower of Jesus. I began to tell the guys as they slowly filtered into my tent. They were were really excited to hear my news and I even stayed up to tell my tent leader who rocked up at 12am and was overjoyed when I told him. But coming back from camp to school, I noticed a massive change in my attitude to telling other people about Jesus. I wanted to tell more people about him and not just waiting for people to ask me what Jesus did and what happens with about this and that. It's, I wanted to tell everyone that I was a newborn Christian. I even posted it on Instagram, which I soon got rid of due to some certain comments. I also, but I also noticed a sudden change and a sudden urge to help people and to be kind to people, even if they didn't like me. I noticed that I found joy in helping other people. And being honest, it's been hard Over the three years, I've messed up, I've got frustrated at people for not understanding, and I've not explained my faith when I've had the opportunity. The amazing thing is, is that God is forgiving me, even if I mess up, and he's helping me every day to live for him. God has given my life a purpose, and even though I don't know what's going to happen in the future, I know that he's in control, and I know that he'll always love me. Living for Jesus has changed my life. Yes, I've made mistakes. I still sin. But Jesus has died for every sin that I'm going to commit, and I have committed. So I don't need to be afraid, as Jesus is going to be there for me until I go meet him. And God has been working in my life ever since I committed my life to him. Yeah, it's been only three years, but it's easier to fight sin inside of me, because I'm not fighting it alone. I have the spirit inside me. And he's helping me to fight every day. And that's the reason I'm getting baptised today. Because it's a step of obedience in faith. It's what Jesus tells Christians to do. To show everyone, you guys, that we are willing to give our lives to Jesus. And that's why I'm doing it. I'm telling you guys that I love Jesus. Thanks for listening. Well, Sam, thank you so much for sharing your story. We've got a a book for you too. Uh, It's Bible Doctrine uh, from Wayne Grudem, uh, The Essential Teachings of the Christian Faith. So there's something there to keep you busy uh, reading through it. And the verse that we have uh, chosen for you is from 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, uh, which says, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers, and there's a card for you as well. So there we go, and and let me pray for you as you do that. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for Sam and for his testimony that he's just shared. Father, we thank you so much that he's come to know you and love you for himself, and that Jesus is his king. And we pray that you will continue to grow and strengthen Sam in his faith, Father, would he look to you and be drawn closer to you each and every day. We thank you so much for the joy that he has in knowing you and his willingness to share that with others. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks, Sam. Well, Sam and Josh will soon go into the pool to be baptized. Before they do that, we're going to sing another song. And this one is one that Sam has chosen. And it says this. It says, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And the chorus says, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. They're wonderful words, aren't they? Let's stand and sing them together. blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the
do take a seat. I'm going to hand over to uh, Dave and to Josh, uh, who are going to go into the pool and lead us in our baptism of Josh. Joshua, have you trusted in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to take away your sin and give you a good relationship with God? I have. Are you trusting daily in Jesus and seeking to follow him as Lord and Saviour? I am. Do you put your hope in him for eternal life, that one day you will see him face to face and rejoice in an eternity with him? I do, yeah. Then, Joshua, on the public profession of your faith, we baptise you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. It's a real privilege to be able to baptise you tonight. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Let's ask you the same three questions. So Sam, have you trusted in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to take away your sin and give you a good relationship with God? I have. Sam, are you trusting daily in Jesus and seeking to follow him as your Lord and Saviour? I am. And Sam, do you put your hope in him for eternal life? That one day you will see him face to face and rejoice in an eternity with him. I am. Awesome. Sam, on the public profession of your faith, we baptise you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. It's just been a privilege to hear how these guys have believed and believed and trust in Jesus. We're going to sing a, a great song that, that echoes that declaration. It's, it's a song that says, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Let's stand together and, and sing this song, in Christ alone.
I'm going to read a, a bit from the Bible now, um, and just take the time to explain that. 
It's a bit uh, from the, the Gospel of Matthew. In other words, one of the biographies in the Bible of, of Jesus. And it's a bit where Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. It's from a, a book called Matthew, chapter 13, verse 44. If you've got a Bible with you, you can have that open in front of you. Um, it's, it's just very, very, very short. Two verses, um, two sentences, really. And we're going to look at those now. So they're parables, and Jesus says this. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Those are the two simple little parables we're going to spend some time looking at. It's interesting because what Jesus does is he teaches in parables. And what he does is he he teaches in parables so that that the meaning... It's just that little bit more difficult to work out. So so there's two things that you do when you hear a parable of Jesus. One is you switch off and count the bricks up the wall. Thankfully, we've got plastered wall here, so you can't do that. Or the other is you go, hang on, Scooby-Doo. I'm not sure I get that. I don't get your meaning. What do you mean by pearls? What do you mean by merchant? What do you mean by bloke in a field? What do you mean by treasure? I'm not sure about this. And by going kind of into it, what Jesus is saying, come and join me in this story and find out something that is utterly mind-blowing. And that's Jesus' invitation. Two things. The kingdom of heaven is like a, a, like a treasure hidden in a, field, in, a, in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like an amazing pearl that a merchant sees and immediately buys. Jesus says that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And immediately we're kind of going, either I switch off or I'm going to switch on. And I ask you this, morning, this evening, rather, let's switch on. Let's work out what Jesus is talking about. Because the first thing he said, the well, first thing I want, I want us to look at is... It basically means the kingdom of heaven is unexpected. So let me read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a hidden field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. That's what happens. Bang. He finds the treasure. He's ecstatic. He hides it again. He he, he sells everything. He buys the field. He knows that everything that he owns up to this point is worth nothing compared to the treasure in the field. Now, it's the kind of things dreams are made of, isn't it? It's the sort of story that makes our imaginations run wild. But Jesus says that that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a vast treasure that we're not expecting to find. And you know, I think that's totally relevant for us this evening. You see, many of us are on a journey to find something like identity or belonging or purpose or meaning. I think Josh described it really well. He was not satisfied, happy, content with his soul. And, and it's why, actually, many of us crave things like fame 
or fortune or, or comfort or affirmation. Because we're hoping that ultimately one of these things, the stuff we crave, is going to satisfy that inner longing that Josh described. And yes, fame and fortune or affirmation can satisfy us to an extent. But they're not amazing as we think. So, so Adele once said this about fame in an interview with Radio 1 DJ Nick Grimshaw. She said, I find fame quite frightening, and I find it quite toxic. It's very charming, it's very persuasive, but it doesn't last. So why would you want to get involved with something you will miss so much once it's gone? And it always goes at some point, and then people are shocked, and they're surprised, and they're gutted. It's weird. In other words, Adele found that fame doesn't fulfill. It doesn't satisfy you at that deepest level. And therefore, if it's true of fame, how much is it also true of other things that we think will meet those deepest longings of our hearts? And that's why Jesus describes us like the bloke in the first parable, walking around in a field. We're walking restless lives. We're looking for that something that will settle our hearts. He he has to be looking for something because he's found something in the field. He stumbles across something unexpected. It's a massive hoard of treasure. And it's totally not what he set out to find. But there it was, hidden all along. And the feeling Jesus wants us to get as we read this parable is one of unexpected fullness. The treasure catches this bloke totally by surprise. It's a fortune in the ground, not in a bank, and it's there for the taking. It's totally, totally unexpected. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is exactly like that. It's totally not what you set out to find, but when you find it, it's amazing. And it fulfills you, and it satisfies you, it completes you. So what is the kingdom of heaven? I realize that the minute we talk about kingdoms, it can start sounding a bit like Game of Thrones. But simply put, the kingdom of heaven means living in relationship with God so that he is king, not anything else. That's a simple explanation. And and there's more to explain about the kingdom of heaven. But very simply, again, I'll say it. The kingdom of heaven means living in relationship with God so that he is king not anyone else. And Jesus' claim in this parable is that living in relationship with God so he is king is worth more than anything else we could own or dream of belonging to. How do we find it? Well, it's not by digging in a field. We find it in Jesus. You see, Jesus claimed that he is God. He was a Jewish man who'd lived 2,000 years ago, and yet he taught like no other guru or prophet ever did before him or ever has ever since. He healed miraculously, he calmed storms, he raised the dead, he forgave people their sins, and then he died. And he died so it might be possible for us to know God. He died so that the greatest treasure in this life, knowing God, might be knowable for us, might be possible for us. And we've just heard Josh and Sam. Do you know, 
It's obvious they found that treasure. The kingdom of heaven. Because they're both living in relationship with God. This is not a rules and regulations lifestyle they've just signed up to. This is entirely relationship with God. Relationship where they fail in that relationship and they go to God and he says, look guys, I forgive you. And where they enjoy his blessing and his presence and his, his, his love. That's the treasure they have encountered. Totally unexpected. And do you know what? I love it because it tells us, you know, Sam's just your average teenager. He's my son, so I can say it. Very average, very normal. Josh is the bloke everyone knows down at the pub. There's nothing special about them. And that tells you the kingdom of God is for normal people like us. It's not sophisticated. It's not reserved for holier-than-thou people. It's for all of us. Jesus wants us to know the kingdom of heaven is under our noses. God knows we're looking for that fulfillment of our souls. But tonight, he wants us to see his kingdom is unexpected. And we can know God unexpectedly. It's a treasure like nothing we could ever imagine. The second thing he says is the kingdom of heaven... Well, the, the, the second thing he wants us to see in, this, in these parables is that the kingdom of heaven is valuable. So going back to that parable, it is clear the man's actions tell us the treasure has enormous value. He found it, sold everything he had in order to own that treasure. And Jesus was saying, that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It has immense value and it's waiting to be discovered. And it's valuable because when you find the kingdom of heaven, you find God's love. When you find the kingdom of heaven, you find God's love. We don't often think about God in that way, do we? But but here's the cool thing. God loves us. Really, really loves us. How do we know about that? Because Jesus was there teaching the parable. And to be there teaching the parable was costly to Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus gave up his place in heaven. He had the highest place of heaven. He gave it up. He became one of us. He didn't have to. He could have looked on the world's mess and said, guys, sort it out for yourself. I'm not interested. He doesn't do that. He takes a costly step He walks into this world and by doing that, it says he loves us because love is sacrificial. Love is always putting ourselves, putting our own desires and our wants away and putting other people first. It's sacrifice. It's giving. When we love one, when we love someone else, we sacrifice ourselves for that person. We put them ahead of ourselves. Jesus does exactly that. He comes into this world in all its brokenness, in in all its muck, and he comes so that we can have access to the kingdom of heaven. He does it by dying on a cross for us. So that whoever believes in him can be part of his kingdom. We don't earn God's love. 
Josh and Sam have done nothing to get God's love. Standing up here, sharing how they've known Jesus and getting wet does not earn them God's love. Let me just make that very clear. But what they've said is they found the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. And they've received that treasure by believing in Jesus for themselves. So the kingdom of heaven is immense, immensely valuable because it's, it's God's love towards us. And the kingdom of heaven is incredibly unexpected. But the last thing is the kingdom of heaven is, is exceptionally knowable. Look at what Jesus says in the second parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he, has, he had and bought it uh, and bought it. So it, 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 this time, picture a, a rich businessman. He, he's a man who knows his pearls. He's looking for the best. And one day, bang, he sees it. It's beautifully enormous. It's got a beautiful sheen. Whatever makes a pearl really, really special, that pearl had it. He knows it. He sees it. He wants it. He then goes back to his business and says to everybody, guys, I'm selling up. Sorry, just Sort yourself out. I'm selling up. I found the pearl I absolutely, desperately have been wanting all my life. I've seen it. Owning that pearl grips his heart. Obtaining that one pearl dominates his thinking. Nothing else is important. It's gripping. And it's a picture of what we're like with God. Because so often we think we know God We think we know what God is like, but in actual fact, we've got him so wrong. The merchant in the story thought he knew about pearls. And similarly, we're often convinced we know all we need need to know about God. But this parable tells us we don't really know that. So just like when the merchant saw that pearl, bang, it hit him. I know nothing about pearls. I've not even considered valuable pearls like this pearl. Bang. Actually, when we see the kingdom of God, the same thing happens to us. Everything we thought we knew about God is thrown out the window and who he is and what he is is suddenly totally, totally captivating so that everything of value that we once considered is meaningless. Bang. And maybe that's where you're at this evening. It it might be that this is the first time you've stepped into a a, a church building. It might be that the first time you've been you've been to a a, a grown-up baptism. You know, adults um, uh, was it voluntarily getting wet. It might be this is the first time you've heard the Bible opened up and explained. Maybe you're realizing you thought you knew everything there is to know about God. But I hope, I hope that as you look at the, as you look at the parable, you're kind of saying, hang on. Hang on. What Josh has said, what Sam has said, what the Bible has said, tells me I don't know everything about God. And wow, do I need to, because what they have is what I want. What they have said God is like, that's what I want to see. Because they are describing a God I, God I had no idea was out there. They're talking about a God of love, not rules. They're talking about a God of relationship, not, not, not tablets on, written on stone. Wow, 
This is God in a new, in a new sight. This is God that I've never seen or heard of or believed in. This is God like he really is on a totally different level to everything I'd seen before. Can I just encourage you? Look, just encourage you to, 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 to listen. Listen to what Jesus says about God's kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is there. I love it. The kingdom of heaven is there like a treasure hidden in a field. It's waiting to be found. The kingdom of heaven is there like a pearl at a pearl exhibition. It's amazing and waiting to be seen and desired. The kingdom of heaven is there like nothing we've ever known. And it's ours for the taking. How can it become ours? Well, you look at the king of the kingdom of heaven. That's who Jesus claimed to be, the king of the kingdom of heaven. He came into this world to make heaven knowable. He saw our problem, and our problem is that we treat God badly. Just think about it. We ignore God, don't we, most of the time? And then when we do say he's there, it's because he's not worked things our way. Or because we want stuff from him. That's why, and I can say we treat God badly. But that's also why we don't know his love. Because actually he's angry at the way we treat him. And Jesus knew that. That's why Jesus came into this world. That's why he died on the cross. Because he knew that God needs to punish us rightly and justly for the way that we treat him. And he knew someone has to take that punishment. So he came into this world and took it so that we don't have to. And he rose from the dead to show us that he has the power to do that. If he'd stayed dead, then we'd all gone back to our homes and gone, well, that was a bit of a damp squib, wasn't it? No, he rose from the dead. It means he has power, power to forgive, power to take the punishment of God for the way that we treat God, power to make us right with God. He makes it possible for us to know and belong to the kingdom of heaven. Ultimately, Jesus is the pearl of great price. Ultimately, Jesus is the treasure hidden in the field. He's the one that is worth everything to get to know. He is the one that is worth absolutely your whole life from here on ever to be able to say, I belong to Jesus. So here's the question at the end of this talk. Can we see what Josh and Sam have found is something we all need and want? They found the treasure in the field. They own the pearl of great price. They've had a relation, they have a relationship with God through Jesus' forgiveness and love. And that's what we're all looking for. The, the thing I love about both these little stories, I'm going to finish on this. The thing I love about both these little stories is that there's so joy. The guys, the, the guys find the treasure. They find the pearl and the joy in their hearts. Bang, they do the irrational, don't they? 
They see this as just so utterly, stupendously wonderful that they sell everything they have to own it with great joy. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is about, a great joy. To know God's forgiveness, to know peace in your heart, to know God's love, to know God's acceptance, to know we belong to the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's the joy of it. And where do you find it? Look, simply, you find it in the Bible. You can take one of these. They're on the welcome desk if you want on your way out. Um, I'll, I'll get someone to hand them out so, so, it's, so everyone gets an offer. Uh, but it's just a, a, just a, a gospel, a Mark's gospel in, in modern English um, that, that is all about Jesus. You can read this in an hour. You can read about Jesus in an hour. He was an exceptionally special, uh, incredible. People were attracted to him uh, just like moths, moths to a light. And you can read that for yourself and find out about Jesus. If you like, um, these are also on the welcome desk. This is an invitation to, to Christianity Explored. Uh, Josh did it three times. I, I really think you know four or five times is brilliant because uh, I've done I've done about fifteen over the last five years, and each time I just think, "Wow, I didn't know that about Jesus." Uh, okay, I'm a bit thick, but you get the picture. Um, this is the thing: come and join Christianity Explored. It's just six six Monday nights. We, we get some decent coffee and, and tea. We get some great cookies. Uh, it's sitting down together, reading through this together, actually. Um, we read a bit, talk about it a bit, uh, have a bit of a discussion about it. You can ask anything you want. There's no fear or, or embarrassment. We're not going to ask you to do anything you don't want to do. This is it. It's just great. This is where the kingdom of heaven starts. It starts with finding out about Jesus. But perhaps, look, it might be this evening, it suddenly hit you like the, the guys in the parables. That, that a relationship with Jesus is infinitely ownable for ourselves. It's the greatest treasure, and you want that. Well, just, just talk to Jesus. That's the cool thing. You don't have to use these and thous or, or learn a special prayer. You just talk to Jesus. You ask him for forgiveness for the way that you've treated him. You ask him for his love and his eternal treasure. You ask him, Lord Jesus, I want to belong to your kingdom. And if you want to do that this evening, I'm going to talk to God now. That's what praying is. And all you have to do, just echo the words that I say in your heart. And do that for yourself. And then come and talk to me. Talk to me or or Sam or or, or Josh. Just... um, just, just, yeah, just consider this. The great riches of the kingdom of heaven is ours if, it's, if, if we reach out and accept it. Let's talk to God now and let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that the kingdom of heaven is so findable. All we do is look at the person of Jesus and see the riches that Sam and Josh have been captivated by. 
Lord God, we're sorry for the way that we've treated you. We've kept you on the shelf of our lives. We've expected you to do things that we want you to do. And we're sorry. Please forgive us. Please accept us. Please fill us with your love. Just like you've done for Sam and Josh. Just like you've done for millions of Christians around the world now and also through history. Lord Jesus, please be our king. And please change us. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing, sing one, one last song. Um, I'm not sure what song it is, if truth be told, because on my notes it's when I was lost. Sorry, which is, it's the greatest day in history. Okay. Let's go with the screen then. My notes are wrong. Let's stand and sing the greatest day in history. Sorry.
take a seat. We've got um, uh, uh, teas and coffees in the foyer out the back. Um, do carry on um, with your conversations um, after, after the service. Thanks so much for coming. Uh, it's been really lovely for you to join us and do uh, come and chat to Josh and Sam afterwards uh, if you want. They'll be hanging around too. Thanks ever so much for coming. Uh, good to see you.